Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about 9-11 in New York yesterday and Hillary Clinton. The Biden regime releases Dr. Simone Gold from political prison. Huge story. Cannot wait to talk about that. Uh, why the Biden DOJ assault on Trump rages on. And October 15th in Dallas. You won't want to miss it. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Obviously, yesterday, we all as a nation had Patriot Day. We honor the 21st anniversary uh, of 9-11 of 2001 and the attack in, on America and by Islamic jihadists. And I want to mention a couple of things about it. First of all, I did post on my, my Facebook page and also on my um, personal, on my show Facebook page and personal one, I posted that recording that everyone now has about one of the, the uh, calls, the 911 calls from one of the planes before it crashed. It was that United Flight 93, Todd Beamer calling 911 and just basically walking through what's happening, telling the woman the operator was going to happen. She gets the FBI on with them. And, you know, he describes a plan eventually that we're going to try to take down these terrorists who've taken over the plane. And as you know, this is the uh, plane that ended up crashing in a field in Pennsylvania. Really, really moving. I mean, you know, you can post so many images, so many things. But I did want to, the reason I want to mention, I want to mention a couple of things I think are really important. Uh, one is, I recall very, very shortly after 9-11 in 2001, very shortly, the mainstream media outlets began saying, you know, we need to stop replaying these images. You know, the images of the planes hitting the towers, the towers collapsing, uh, you know, obviously, and the scenes from the streets of New York City, people running with soot all over their faces and, you know, running and, and frightened and all that. And the media decided and said at that time, you know, that this isn't good for America. We isn't good for them to keep showing this because, you know, some of them were concerned that there would be violence against Muslims living in America or Muslims around the world because it was an attack we soon figured out by Islamic jihadists. And so the media decided we didn't need to see those images. Even now, here in 2000, in this year, 2022, some people put up images on Facebook, videos um, of what happened in 9-11 that were taken down. And, you know, I don't know what argument Facebook or someone would make, but I'm making this point, this first point in today's first five, to say there is a determination on the part of the, our betters, our ruling class, or our, you know, the social media speech censors of deciding what we should be thinking about and what we should be contemplating, and trying to steer America away from remembering what happened on that day. And I cannot tell you how, how offensive and wrong that is. Obviously, in America, we have a somewhat significant uh, population of Muslim Americans, um, and you have organizations in America that did not, obviously we didn't have anything, oh, Muslims orga organizations that weren't involved, but the idea that media is going to decide for you what you should be seeing that causes you to have emotion and react to it is really offensive. It's like you're taking care of a five-year-old, only they're talking about how they treat the adults in America. Second point I want to make is that... Um, Hillary Clinton had a comment. She was interviewed someplace, um, responding uh, on, on comments on the anniversary of 9-11. And she used the expression, Hillary Clinton uh, used the expression uh, that we have to, it's a reminder to the United States to deal with extremism of any kind. That was her term, extremism of any kind. And I want to make a point about how the left contorts and uses words, contorts issues and uses words to silence their political enemies, and they change the topic without appearing to do so. Shortly after 9-11, when legislation began to be discussed, and, and even long uh, since that time, over the decades, uh, the two decades since then, 
much discussion in Washington about dealing with the threat of Islamic Jihad, which is Jihad, you know, war, religious war brought to bear on non-Muslims by people who are, are following what the Quran says. And now, I'm not to say that all Muslims would engage in jihad if they could, but the Muslims who do engage in jihad are following. They're not deviating. They're following what the Islamic teachings are from the Quran and from the other uh, recognized religious authoritative writings in Islam, including back to the time of Muhammad, they do encourage people. They justify. In fact, they treat it almost as an obligation for devout Muslims to spread Islam by force if necessary. So the jihadists weren't contorting Islam. They were following it. Now, there are many, uh, millions of Muslims who don't do that, who don't engage in this kind of uh, action, of course. But the idea that to hide from the American people what Islam really teaches was the uh, further evidence is kind of thinking that we're not going to, and the left shifts the topic. I want to get around to what Hillary said yesterday. She, she kept talking about the idea, or she was making the point that we have to handle, again, in her words, we have to deal with extremism of any kind. When you call it extremism, that's just a label. That's just an, an you know, extremist, just a, a word. It doesn't refer to anything. And I know some people who would defend that say, well, you know, you have to have be right in the middle, be a centrist, you don't want to be an extremist. But extremist doesn't mean anything standing alone. It has no meaning at all. And in today's political battle of words, the term extremist is used by the left to label anyone they don't like, to label any belief they don't like, to label any political mission or political agenda they use the word extremist to, to uh, shun, ridicule, and mock, and silence people who believe in something they don't believe in. They use the word extremist as a political weapon, and they're changing the topic from what the real issue was on 9-11, which was these were people who embrace the, and follow the original teachings of Islam that say you should engage in radical, violent jihad, religious war, to force other people to convert to Islam or punish your enemies. And so this, this extremism thing got, became kind of the trendy thing to say on the left. And not just that the people making regulation of law in Washington began, they began to use the term CVE. CVE was not, you know, a uh, term that existed before then, um, but the, uh, before this time, but it stands for countering violent extremism, countering violent extremism. So anyone who engages in violence on behalf of or engages in extreme language can be guilty of, of CVE, count, uh, guilty of committing extremism and subject to the regulation by the left where they say they're trying to counter violent extremism. I don't recall one time ever hearing Hillary or anyone on the American left describe the riots of Antifa and Black Lives Matter throughout America in all of 2020 and into 2021 as extremists, as, as violent extremism. It was justified anger. It was, well, of course they're rioting because look what happened with and, and point to the particular incident you want to point to uh, that involved police uh, conduct towards civilians. Nothing the left likes happened or wants to happen will ever be labeled extremist. It's always people on the right that they can label extremists. And the other thing that's happened is because the term is vague and it's meaningless, it gets used selectively by law enforcement. We'll be talking a little later today about uh, the uh, release of Simone Gold, uh, who was a straight out political prisoner, no better than communist country Cuba locking people up who are their political enemies. But back to this point about 9-11, when Hillary uses countering violent extremism, and the left uses that term, the extremists, and they're, what they're trying to say is, you know, this isn't, there's no bad ideology. Islamic jihad is, is not necessarily bad, or, you know, Islamic teaching isn't bad. It's just extremists. 
And because they own the media and the media follows suit and does whatever and follows the direction of the leftist leaders, or sometimes it seems like the media directs traffic and the leftist leaders run along and follow behind, but whichever way it is, when you've got the power of language to use extremists, you can refer to people who, for example, continue to challenge election fraud in the 2020 elections or people who don't like the fact that the border isn't enforced, or all sorts of political issues, the left gets leverage and mileage out of calling those people extremists. And I'm telling you that because as we go forward in this fall and moving forward, um, trying to free our country from the imposition, the uh, occupied, we are an occupied country, occupied by a president who didn't win the election, more and more, any way that even people speak challenging this authority in Washington are going to be considered extremists. Now, back to the good news about 9-11 yesterday, there was just an outpouring of patriotism all around this country. You know, people were remembering again right after 9-11 how America came together so well, and we, we recognized we had a common enemy. They're trying to destroy us. There was great unity in America for some period of time. And I actually think that the, the uh, MAGA agenda, the President Trump's use of the term MAGA, make America great again, and the MAGA agenda of restoring America's greatness and goodness, it has that same feel to it. It has that same of people, people coming together, wanting to defend their country. But back to 9-11, I want a quick play. So in New York yesterday, uh, in the city of New York, there was a uh, football game, uh, the Jets and the Ravens uh, game, and they had a police officer sing, a woman police officer who'd been invited to sing the national anthem, and I can, I mean, it is, it will bring tears to your eyes to watch what happened at the stadium yesterday at the Jets Ravens kickoff. So go ahead. about completely heart melting. Obviously, the police officer stopped singing and the entire crowd play, sang out the whole national anthem. She joined back in at the end, truly moving in New York City. And I'm going to close out the first five by saying this. I truly believe our country is far more unified than the left and that the media tries to portray. You'll endlessly hear the words used by left-wing media. A lot of people, oh, the country's so divided. And I don't believe that. I mean, yes, there are radical leftists running this country and a small portion of Americans who actually like watching the Biden administration's destruction of America. There's a small portion. But the country is not deeply divided. The country wants that unity that followed 9-11. They want the unity that comes around an agenda that is positive, that is restore, rest, restorative of America, that brings back belief in America's goodness and greatness, belief in freedom and free markets, belief in a robust and strong, capable military, belief in a border that has actual enforcement. People want the America they want the America that is intended by the MAGA agenda. The vast majority of people do. So the media loves to say we're divided. I'm telling you, we are united. I think the MAGA agenda and the discussion over the four years and 
plus of the Trump presidency help people realize there are actually specific things you can say about America that are good, that we have to stand up for, and the MAGA agenda captured many of them, and that's really where America is, much to the uh, frustration and annoyance um, of the anti-American left. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so on Friday, this past week, uh, Dr. Simone Gold was released from federal prison. She got a 60-day sentence for doing nothing wrong, but she got a 60-day sentence for trespassing, and she was serving her time in a federal penitentiary in Florida. And this is a the woman, Dr. Simone Gold, joined the show many times, going to be speaking at our summit. Dr. Simone Gold was, uh, she... To, she was, first of all, the founder of America's Frontline Doctors, the, the premier uh, national organization which brought thousands of doctors in America together to challenge what the Biden administration, what Dr. Fauci, really, the Dr. Fauci, uh, you know, in the uh, medical establishment in Washington and the medical establishment around this country, that they, their, what they did with COVID, how they responded to COVID, how they told everyone to freeze in fear and stay home and don't try any of these medications. All these doctors are claiming work. Wait for this uh, wonderful vac vaccinations that could going to come along. Dr. Simone Gold formed America's Frontline Doctors. She, it was the most, it, it still is, the most astonishing, effective, amazing organization. And <clears throat> what they did was bring doctors together start to provide information to people about effective treatments for COVID. At the same time, Dr. Fauci is telling them nothing works, nothing at all works. You know, stay at home till you're practically dead and go to the hospital and then use remdesivir, which many doctors refer to as run death is near because it is so bad in way it, it hurts patients. In any case, she's been brave and very much a, a voice for medical freedom, healthcare freedom, and freedom of the patient-doctor relationship. So she was already very much in the crosshairs of the uh, Biden, tyrannical, Fauci, Biden, the whole team up there, the, the uh, tyranny that has taken over Washington, D.C. And then when January 6th happened this in uh, last year, in 2021, she was invited to speak at the Trump rally that day and didn't get a chance to. The, the rally ended early. She went over to the Capitol and went in as officers were holding the door open, went into the rotunda where millions of Americans have been, read the speech she was supposed to get to give that day and hadn't been able to, and then she left inside the Capitol, 20 to 25 minutes left when the police asked her to leave. No violence, no hitting, no yelling, no breaking anything. And she was the victim of having the uh, the Biden administration. I truly, I, I do not say this lightly. I think the Biden administration, I think much of January 6th was a setup, even though there were individuals who broke the law and had to be prosecuted and were. But the Biden administration took advantage of what looked like a really out of control protest and decided they were going to go after every political enemy they could possibly find in this country who may have stepped foot in Washington, D.C. that day. Simone Gold was already famous. She was already in their face. She was already a confrontational person because she's a doctor, she's a lawyer, she's brave, she's brilliant, she's outspoken. She formed America's Frontline Doctors, and she was in Washington on January 6th in the way I just recounted. So she's back at her home in California when in the middle of the night, I think it was six to eight weeks later or so, middle of the night, the FBI literally broke down her front door with a battering ram, came into her house armed with rifles, armed with AR-15s, you know, searched her house, arrested her, and, and she's you know, never been arrested in her life. She's, I mean, literally like most people would be, if you haven't been in trouble with the law, you don't even know what's going on. So they arrest her, they prosecute her for trespassing. So she uh, ended up in um, going to um, uh, going going back for a, her prosecution in Washington and got advice from a lawyer. You know, you're, you're in Washington. The, the, you know, if you have a jury here, it's 94% uh, Democrat city. They hate Trump. They hate Trump supporters. Uh, you know, you're better off to plead guilty. So on, on advice of her counsel, she pled guilty to trespassing um, at the Capitol on January 6th. And lo and behold, got a sentencing judge who sentenced her to actual jail time, 60 days in the federal penitentiary, the first eight or 10 of which were in solitary confinement, again, for doing nothing. 
for doing nothing. So she was released early on Friday. Uh, I'm going to get in a moment to tell you something amazingly touching things about her early release. But I want to mention about, you know, we were talking about um, and uh, after the following on 9-11 and how we had, you know, America came together. We recognized we had a common enemy. The failure to recognize who that enemy was. It wasn't extremists, as the left tried to say. It's Islamic jihadists, anyone who would embrace the teachings of Islam and engage in jihad. And there is a follow-up of that, which is to say this failure to identify the enemy and to say it out loud and say it repeatedly and declare out loud this is America's enemy has resulted in a faltering, confused foreign policy, which has gotten us around today where we are, where we have, there's a brilliant column out today by Sam Faddis, great, great, great writer, uh, been on the show before. He's speaking at our summit too, Sam Faddis. He's talking about the ongoing confusion because in America, we didn't identify who the enemy was on 9-11, the original 9-11. So now here we are, we're in the year 2022, and we had you know, this debacle of foreign policy in Afghanistan, and we are now at the point. I want to just tell you how absurd this is. So in the country of Afghanistan, there are actually peaceful Muslim groups who are trying to stop the jihadist, violent Muslim groups. And so Taliban now, we left Taliban, one of the most evil, terror, violent, you know, dark ages level mentality, brutal jihadist organizations. The Taliban is in charge of the country of, of Afghanistan. I'm going to come back to Simone Gold, don't worry. But we left them in charge. So now we have in Afghanistan, we have some people trying to bring peace to it, trying to say, you know, we're going to, uh, we want to, we want a peaceful form of Islam. And so there's an armed resistance to the Taliban because they want to fight against jihadism. And we, America, because we could not identify the enemy, we're trying to find a way to give the Taliban, the frozen Afghan funds, frozen Afghan money. We're trying to find seven of the way to free up money, $7 billion, and give it to the Taliban, the jihadist ones, instead of the peaceful ones, because we can't identify the problem. And so, and we can't just say, we're never going to give any money to any jihadist entity on this planet Earth ever. That should be our foreign policy, period, full stop. But because we can't define what, foreign, what an extremist is, we can't define who the wrongdoers are, we're about to, we're trying desperately, the Biden administration trying desperately to give money to Afghan money back to the Taliban and the Islamic Caliphate which is dedicated to our destruction. So moving back, coming back where we are now um, with Simone Gold, if you don't identify the enemy, you, you end up hurting yourself and you end up aiding and abetting the people who want to destroy you. So back to Simone Gold, she goes to Washington, D.C. She does, she gives her little speech. She gets, she goes to, what I just told you, she's tried um, in a, you know, kangaroo court style. I even really tried. She pled guilty. She goes in for sentencing after having had the FBI break down her door, treat her like a common criminal. She goes to Washington, takes the advice of some lawyer who says, you better not try a jury trial here. So she goes back to Washington. She goes to be sentenced in our allegedly unbiased, you know, rule of law system in this country. So you have, you know, the uh, FBI involved in the breaking down her door and treating her like a common criminal. You have the DOJ going after and prosecuting everyone they can find who stepped foot in Washington that day. And then you get to the court system in America. And so she, Simone Gold, goes in to get sentenced. And she's sentenced by a guy. I want to tell you a few of the things that happened. I'm leading up to saying we do have a, a, a problem in America right now. We have a common enemy, and the common enemy is the left that has taken over this country. We have to call them the enemy. They are the enemy of freedom, the enemy of our Constitution, the enemy of our constitutional rights, the enemy of the idea of America as founded. So back to Simone Gold. So she goes in to get sentenced, and this judge who, by the way, she went to law school with, who asked her out once in law school, and she said no. Who knows that that bothered this guy? But he, he just flung out, during her sentencing, a bunch of completely irrelevant uh, accusations. I mean, irrelevant totally, what was going on that day. A bunch of completely false statements, which either he is just marinating and he reads the Washington Post and thinks he's informed, 
or he knows they're false and just loves to fling them out. But he flung at her, for example, you know, five police officers, five police officers killed that day. That was not true. Not true. Just not didn't happen. Didn't happen. And the only, you know, police officer we are talking that was relevant that day at all was Brian Sicknick who by then, a Capitol Police officer, everyone realized by then and had the facts out because the D.C. medical examiner told the facts, he had died a couple of days after the uh, January 6th episode at the Capitol of having two strokes, and the D.C. medical examiner said he had no evidence of head injury. The whole thing was a claim that people were hitting him over the head with a fire extinguisher. He said, no, there's no evidence. The D.C. medical examiner in court, no evidence that he had, was hit at all, at, I mean, not hit by a fire extinguisher, no evidence, and no evidence that he had ingested some sort, he may have inhaled, the argument was maybe he inhaled, the people who were spraying bear spray or whatever they have, no, no evidence of him inhaling any dangerous substance. Sadly for him, he had two or three strokes and died. But this judge, sentencing Simone Gold, named that fact, castigated her for her work with America's frontline doctors, which has nothing to do with anything, nothing to do with anything, kept telling her she didn't so, show sufficient remorse to the people killed that day, even though she said, I, you know, I, I, had I known what was going to happen that day, you know, I wouldn't have gone in. I went in to read my speech, as many others were going in, as the Capitol Police officers are holding the doors open. And and so she's, you know, I mean, how else she's supposed to show remorse? But he said, didn't show sufficient remorse. He threw out a bunch of other facts at her that had nothing to do with truth, just no rooting in truth, and sentenced her to 60 days. A doctor and lawyer whose crime was speaking out loud in the rotunda. She was not connected with any, any of these groups who are also being criticized. I get around to say... So she got released on Friday. She had a 60-day sentence. They reduced it to 45. She gets out on Friday. I mean, if you watch that scene of her getting out of prison in, in uh, Florida, one of, the, uh, my, one of my heroes in Congress, Congressman Louis Gohmert, who was just on the show last week, uh, Louis Gohmert, or September 1st, Louis Gohmert went down to Florida, and he was there when she got released. He had a flag, a gift to give her, a flag that had been flown over the Capitol. It was so emotional to watch her, so emotional to watch him, so touching. I'm just telling you, these are, these are important and amazing moments in history. So she gets released early. Uh, she is, of course, very grateful to be out. I was texting with her yesterday. Of course, she's very grateful to be out. But I want to tell you, if you got frightened on September 11th because jihadists want to kill us, if you do recognize that, then you're really smart, and I'm glad that you know that, because these are things you have to understand. We need to be equally frightened of the other enemy attacking America, which is today the anti-American Marxist left that now has power in Washington. When you think, and I want, I'm going to just tell you, if you don't subscribe to my weekly newsletter, I urge you to do that. I wrote a column this week just about this point. We knew, we learned the lesson because of the physical attack on 9-11 that we better be very alert to jihadists attacking America and wanting to kill innocent people. We need to be equally alert to the attack on America that is rolling out before our very eyes, that is evident to everyone paying attention, that this regime that's taken over Washington, this unelected, we're, occupied, we're an occupied country with an occupying power, which is the Biden administration that didn't win the election, and they have, in the short time since they've been in Washington, opened the border, simply abandoned the southern border. They have, in every conceivable way, exp uh, done everything tyrannical they can think of with respect to COVID, made rules about COVID and what you have to do and whether you're allowed to have your freedom if you don't do exactly what they say. Um, they've made mandates and other sorts of rulings just completely out of control. They've labeled anyone who dares speak against them as domestic terrorists, extremists, insurrectionists. Their very Department of Homeland Security has said, if you challenge the government on the, the 2020 elections or on COVID policy, you just might be a domestic terrorist. This is a regime committed to shutting down any kind of First Amendment conversation about, about the goodness of America, any expression of a political protest by their enemies. This, my friends, is a real attack on America. 
For radio listeners, you're going to go off to a break at the, at, in about four seconds. Come back after that break. We'll be right here at America Can We Talk. I want to just, it is really hard to see in America, you know, you, at, when we, we aren't having bombs flying, we're not having, you know, the jet, Pearl Harbor isn't being bombed, um, or, you know, they're not planes flying into buildings being commandeered by jihadists. It's hard to see it as a war, and, and I, the war language alarms people. But when you have a government that is doing everything the Biden administration is doing, they won't enforce the border, they mock and ridicule people who point out the border isn't being enforced. They send Kamala Harris out, I think it was yesterday, saying, oh yeah, the border's secure, when everyone, you can go video and see just people pouring over the border. Pouring. In fact, I was invited to go with a congressional delegation to the border about three or four weeks ago in August, and I couldn't do it because of commitments we already had, but I really want to go down and get my own video, which you can get video from many, many other sources and watch what's actually happening at the border. And this is the, the, the Biden administration talking to you like you're ignorant children, and you can just be told, oh, don't worry, the border's enforced. Kamala said so. And they'll go, oh, I guess the border's enforced. And it's not. So if you're the Biden administration, you don't enforce the border, you've had COVID tyranny, and now you still have... Fauci isn't done, by the way. I know he's resigning at the end of this year, but he recently said, yeah, I think everyone should get a COVID booster every year. This is for a vaccine that is... Now, unlike any vaccine ever in America, ever in world history, it doesn't prevent you from getting the disease. It doesn't prevent you from dying of the disease. It doesn't prevent you from spreading the disease. It doesn't do anything, but you have to get it. At the same time, the guy is still mocking the drugs that actually the doctors around the country have found to be successful. And I, I'm raising all this to say that this story of Simone Gold being released... And her story, and by the way, she's speaking at our summit. That's one reason we were texting yesterday. She's speaking at our summit. She is going to be speaking about the rule of law in America, or lack thereof, her treatment on January 6th, how we move forward as a country, as a country, when we cannot function under the present medical establishment, when we have the CDC and the FDA and the NIH and all of the uh, levers of power on the medical industry in Washington completely apparently controlled, seemingly controlled by the biopharmaceutical companies. And so you have doctors not free to prescribe what they want, doctors not free to, to uh, discuss and, and even talk about the treatments they found effective for COVID or whatever the next virus is going to be in the next treatment. We have a, a tyranny that's taken over uh, the medical industry. And so she's saying, we have to do something big about this. We can't just agree from now on, everyone in America waits for the uh, Fauci or Fauci's replacement to tell us what we're supposed to think. So Simone Gold will be speaking at our summit on October 15th, uh, and um, this release, her release from prison, her um, being released by the Biden administration, and her willingness to keep up speaking up, this is bravery in our time, literally, in my view, at the same level as Patrick Henry and the founding of America. People who have been attacked, wrongly imprisoned, mistreated in prison. There are a lot of other stories I know about her time in prison. It wasn't pretty beside the solitary confinement thing. And they're still willing to speak. These are the Patrick Henrys of today. These are the people speaking up for freedom, willing to put their life on the line, willing to put their careers on the line, willing to just, I, I'm all in for the fight. That is who Dr. Simone Gold is and many others. I'm signaling her out because I'm very excited. She's speaking at our summit, very excited that she's uh, been freed from this prison experience. And I wanted to say one more thing about this. It is incumbent on all of us to recognize that these kind of people who do these things, who will speak up and keep speaking up, they are brave. They get mocked. They get ridiculed. Simone may end up losing her medical license. I believe it's been suspended at this time. She never practiced law. She went to California. She went to law school in California and took the bar, became a member of the bar. But I think and I don't think she's I don't think she's an active lawyer there. But she is a doctor and she's had a medical practice and patients who love her and patients whose lives have been saved by her bravery in forming America's frontline doctors. These people need our support. They need our speaking up for them. They need our support for their efforts to get the word out about what's true about our justice system. I mean, these are, when I say, I, I'm not lightly saying this, 
our country is in the middle of a war. It is not and yet is not a war with bullets and bombs. It's not a war of planes flying into buildings. But it is a war of the for the cultural, for the ideology of freedom, the idea of America, the idea of an America founded, as we all know, in the Declaration, the Constitution, on the basic concept that there is a God who has given all, made, created all of us equal and given us all inalienable rights, and the government's job is to protect those rights. The, the, the very creation, the Declaration, Constitution, changed for all of world history the relationship between God, man, and government. That's why America has been great, because we have got that concept right. And we are watching that concept be eviscerated at the hands of the anti-American left, who simply are not going to let go of the power they have now gained uh, without being forced out, without being, even if we have a massive uh, election in the fall that turns around the control of the House and the Senate, the left believes they have succeeded in, in being to bring down America as founded, bring down a country rooted in freedom, and they believe they are on the cusp of their growing power in Washington to control more and more and more and more of your life till you won't even know what freedom looks like anymore. So Simone Gold, massive, massive hero. Okay, um, I want to talk about why the Biden administration and the DOJ assault on Trump continues. And it's kind of a good continuation of everything else we've been uh, talking about so far. So, so you know, um, after the unbelievably outrageous raid on Mar-a-Lago by the FBI, uh, one thing that occurred was that uh, President Trump brought a legal action in Florida asking for a special master. Can we have someone just look at all these documents that were taken from Mar-a-Lago? And, you know, of course, the justification that uh, DOJ offered was that Trump may have taken documents he didn't have the right to take. He may have, you know, he may have, have documents that, 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 um, you know, that he wasn't supposed to have. I will tell you, actually, that uh, in addition to just saying, um, uh, saying he may have taken documents that he wasn't supposed to have. I mean, there's, there's been an ongoing battle um, over what it is he had at Mar-a-Lago. And um, I want to tell you one thing I, I thought was just kind of almost comical and yet really important to understand what, why it's happening. So Democrat Senator Mark Warner uh, was on some talk show over the weekend. Um, and, you know, he's a, um, he's a smooth talker. He's a Democrat, you know, chair of a committee in the Senate, um, and he, in this um, talk, he was, in his interview, he was being asked, well, why are you, um, you know, uh, w what's the big deal about the documents Trump may have taken? And, and, you know, he's trying desperately, as the Democrat Party is, to scare Americans into thinking that the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago was somehow, you know, mandatory to save lives. We, and he, he tried to make the point, I mean, it just was laughable, but he really tried to say this, a very serious face, that Trump may have taken documents which had in them possible descriptions of U.S. assets, U.S. CIA or some other, you know, dark forces assets that if Trump had them and they were to be stolen or someone got access to them, who put lives of the various uh, individuals serving American in surreptitious roles, whether they are NSA or whatever they were, CIA, NSA, whatever roles they're in, um, that they put those, those lives uh, at risk. And I'm telling you, I'm listening to him thinking, I, I, I can't believe how stupid he thinks the American people are, and I can't believe how desperate the Democrats are. And this gets me around what I want to talk about, which is why the Biden DOJ is going after Trump and going and going and won't stop. They understand the Biden administration, the Democrat establishment in Washington, the entire, you know, uh, really deep state, not even just Democrats, but deep state uh, Washington, and the entire media army around them that echoes everything they say, these people understand that the American people do not like what Biden is doing, they don't like the direction of our country, and they know that the people want the Trump MAGA agenda. They see Trump. They see Trump as a danger because they know if he can run in 2024, and if we have fair elections, a whole other challenge, that he'll easily win. They know this. They know this. This is why they are trying so hard to destroy him. They're trying to 
get him to the point they could possibly indict the president or get him to the point they have so sullied his reputation, caused people who don't pay attention and are easily manipulated by lies to think, oh, wow, Trump, he, he put some of our uh, national security assets at risk because he took documents home. I mean, this whole fuss about documents, just the insanity of it. Uh, Trump had been cooperating with the DOJ oh, and cooperating with the um, the archives people who were saying, I think he might have some documents. They had gone back and forth. He'd done what they said to do with certain documents. They weren't sure. This is in a, a, a Trump uh, team in Florida cooperating with the archives people and cooperating with the DOJ and, and not want, I mean, he was not saying, yeah, I have top secret documents and I'm keeping them. Now, Trump did have authority to declassify anything. He was the top authority. He had the authority, period, full stop, on any document that exists to say, I hereby deem it unclassified, and he can do that. This is, this is when you are the commander of the chief, you're the absolute top pinnacle. But getting around what's really happening here. The Biden people cannot abide the idea that Trump may freely be able to run again. And, it, and I want to make, I, I've been talking about this point a lot, and I want to hit it home again. It's not, it is Trump personally. Trump is a magnificent leader. He is just, he is a fighter. He never backs down, which is the reason so many people love him. He doesn't back down. He has a good gut instinct about what America is and what the left is doing, what the swamp in Washington is doing, and he's willing to say it, and he's willing to fight. And the Biden team sees him as a threat because they can't make him shut up. They can't make him just, they can't intimidate him as, they, as they, you know, the left in this country has intimidated conservatives and Republicans for decades, decades. They can't shut him up. They can't make him stop, um, make him stop advocating for the MAGA agenda, for the strength of America, for the goodness of America, for free markets and freedom and a strong military and a secure border, and free market capitalism, and low taxes, and the freedom of the people, all that stuff the left hates, Trump is magnificent at touting. And they see him as the biggest boulder in the road there is for this ongoing Marxist takedown of America. So, number one, I want to say is uh, Senator Warner tried very hard to actually, with a straight face, say, yeah, I think the real problem here is, uh, you know, he may have endangered assets. I don't believe for a minute he believes that. President Trump had all of this information, all these documents in his possession, in his understanding, I mean, not just physical documents, but the entire strategy, anyone working in the Trump administration, anyone under him the whole time he was there, uh, he had the access to any of this information. And so the idea is suddenly, because he's no longer in office, that he poses a big danger. I don't even think Senator Warner thinks that. He doesn't think Trump, he's just looking for a reason to get the American people on board with what the left is trying to do in destroying Trump. The FBI, the DOJ are being used by the Marxist left to attack Trump and anyone who supports him. And that is what is happening. So Mark Warren making that comment, I, I, it was a disgrace. Uh, number two is, I was thinking about this analogy. I love to make analogies to movies, but um, so one little analogy I was going to make. Um, the other reason that the left is is so outraged by Trump is that they understand not only will Trump prevail, likely prevail if he runs in 2024, but he has massive coattails. When he runs, when pretty much, he doesn't have a 100% record, but close. I don't have the numbers with me today, but it's massively close to 100% of time Trump endorses and that candidate wins. In races around the country, they're mostly House races and Senate races. Sometimes they're within a state. They're a state secretary of state or some other level at the, at the state level, some other job. When Trump endorses, the people win. And they're, the left sees that they just could tear their hair out because they can't believe this guy has so much uh, influence on the American voter. They don't want him a viable voice in American politics. And they recognize, and again, I want to say this and repeat it, repeat it. It's not Trump personally. Or it, it is Trump personally, and yet it's not. Is Trump personally in the sense that he has the voice, the, the just unbelievable tenacity, bravery, he fearless, he will not back down. And when he decides to endorse someone or help someone, you know, he gets in there. And so he, he is very effective. 
at getting people to come along and vote for the candidates that he wants. This is another reason that the Biden team, the anti-American left, the Marxist left, just wants, so desperately wants, more than life itself, they want Trump to be silenced. Because he's not just effective in winning the presidency, he's effective in the coattails he brings along. And they see that. There is all, and the, and the other, uh, we're going to hit another point on the um, raid of Mar-a-Lago because it's so important to follow what's happening down there. But um, even as we speak, there are races now where, and for example, the governor's race in Georgia, Brian Kemp is the incumbent. And um, the, at the beginning of this race, uh, there was all sorts of talk about Stacey Abrams. My gosh, she's going to run circles around him. She's got this at Georgia. Not happening. She sees, the, in fact, this was even the New York Times probably killed them to say it. They had to acknowledge that Stacey, Stacey Abrams is not so popular. She's slipping, you know, and that Brian Kemp is likely to win this, win this race in the fall. And I'll tell you something interesting. Even the New York Times acknowledged. No, I'm sorry, they didn't. They acknowledged she is slipping. The other person, they're saying, yeah, there's, they're trying. The New York Times critique of Stacey Abrams is, well, you know, she's misstepped. She shouldn't have said this or she should have done something a little bit differently. But there was a great piece about, uh, about her on Spe the Spectator, um, which is talking about why she's slipping in the polls. And the thing is, that why I want to talk about it is it's such a microcosm of, of the entire anti-American left, the entire Democrat, Marxist, anti-American left. She's slipping in the polls because all she can do is gripe, finger point, whine and moan, be a victim, tell everybody else how they're a victim. She's just a, she's a typical Democrat you know, America's unfair, life is unfair, we're all victims, and she's filled with spewing anger, spewing denunciation of America, of the American people, of the goodness of the American people, and there's nothing for people who love America and who want to have a future of hope and promise, there's nothing to latch on to. She's just spewing hate. She's just spewing anger. She's just spewing you know, victimization and creating a new silo of Americans that are supposed to be outraged. And, and at some point, it's tiresome. I mean, that is the Democrat mode, which has been for decades, is divide America into silos of individuals and some identity characteristic, whether it's race, gender, ethnicity, national origin, whatever it is, divide them in silos, even economically, and then tell that one silo, you're a victim, and all these other people out here, they hate you, but I'll, hell, I'll stand up for you. This is, the, this is the Democrat playbook since, like, you know, the Stone Age. And this is Stacey Abrams. She doesn't have a positive agenda. And, and so the people of Georgia, thankfully, are kind of thinking, well, why would we want all you're doing is spewing hate. So the reason, back to why Trump is so pursued by the Biden, Biden team, is because Trump does instill hope. It's why people show up at his rallies. He instills this notion he re-inspires love of America. He re-inspires re respect for the idea of America, the founding values of America. And he is unabashedly pro-American. And he causes people to believe in the idea of America again. What the left does, Stacey Abrams is a perfect example, spends her time trashing America and trashing the American people, and trashing the culture of our country, and, and labeling as many people as she can as somehow evil and bad and wrong, and people are just sick of it. And this is really the, the, the Hillary Clinton playbook, this is the left's playbook, has been for a long time. So Stacey Abrams is failing, and one thing, talk about why the left is after Trump so much, is because Trump provides such an amazing and wonderful contrast to what the left is doing. He speaks in terms of hope and vision and aspiration and America you know, becoming again great and moving to greater heights, not making America better than other nations. I mean, the ideas of America are fully exportable. You can send them anywhere. But letting America be the example of freedom that is supposed to be. So back to what the uh, Biden team is doing right now. Uh, two other quick things that have, uh, that have happened. Uh, number one, two really big reports, uh, one directly from Steve Bannon on, um, I think on Charlie Kirk's show, and then also out from Sidney Powell today. But the Biden administration isn't done. Now that they've raided Mar-a-Lago, they've got a, a you know, voluminous uh, you know, cache of documents that they took out of Mar-a-Lago, and they're not done. 
They've now, according to Steve Bannon, the uh, Biden uh, DOJ has raided or else served subpoenas on numerous other uh, Trump officials, Trump somehow affiliated with the Trump uh, team when they were in the White House. The number was like 30, yeah, at least 35 and perhaps as many as 50 FBI raided their homes within the last few days. Please understand. I'll tell you what I really think they're doing besides intimidation. I think that Trump has mountains of evidence, mountains of data showing that the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax was false, as we all know it was, but he's got proof. I'm speculating here. He has proof that the left and the Mueller team, the entire time he was being investigated, the entire time they knew it wasn't true. I think he has proof. He has the goods on a lot of people in Washington who spewed all this Trump-Russia collusion hysteria. And he, Trump, has the goods, has documents, has evidence that show actually they knew when they were saying it, they were lying. I think Trump has, I think that's the other, beside the Biden team wants to just destroy Trump so he can't run again, so he can't inspire people to back other candidates, so he can't keep giving America a vision of hope and promise and optimism. They also do not want to have themselves exposed for all that they did in, during the Trump term in just mocking and ridiculing him. They don't want to have to deal with that. Uh, by the way, very interesting, um, the uh, com nearly completely useless minority leader, Mitch McConnell in the Senate, um, had, you know, he's, he's a deep state of, you know, he's like the king of deep state on, on, the, uh, conservative, on the Republican side. Total deep state guy, and I truly believe people like Mitch McConnell and others like him who are entrenched in power in Washington and like their power, they don't want anyone rocking the boat. They want anyone you know, peeling away the layers, anyone draining the swamp or exposing a swamp. McConnell would far rather have a Democrat president and a Democrat majority than to ever, ever let Trump drain the swamp, to ever have Trump come to Washington and really clean out the swamp. McConnell is mostly on the Democrat side, even though... He did a few good things under the Trump administration, but he is swamp city and he does not want to have this uh, president, Trump, if he were to come back, expose everything he's built up over decades. All of the, uh, in my view, uh, very shady relationship with China and, and much other he's done. So anyway, uh, McConnell's trying to plant the seeds. I wouldn't be so sure about uh, Republicans taking back the Senate. I realize I'm now he's blah, blah, blah trying to essentially say that the Republicans shouldn't assume they'll take back the Senate in the fall elections. But uh, even Grassley, Chuck Grassley, the Republican senator from Iowa, he, reads, he said like yesterday, I think, no, during a congressional hearing, um, uh, you don't know, anyway, he said, I don't think he should be so uh, gloomy. I, I think he's actually optimistic that the GOP is going to flip the Senate. I'm telling you folks, if we can have fair elections this fall, which is entirely, it's a huge if, the Republicans would take back the Senate and the House without question and by a landslide. That's what would happen if we had fair elections. And so I think, and Grassley is trying to build up the Republican expectation of that. He's trying to encourage them to believe, yeah, this is possible. You know, McConnell is trying to tamp down um, expectations. So one last thing about the Trump thing, um, where they are in the Mar-a-Lago rage is very interesting. So, you know, uh, Trump in response to this absurd raid, just unjustified raid. Here he is, uh, you know, providing the uh, the archives people, the DOJ, what they're asking for, and they still raid his home as though he's some common criminal. This gets to be a theme with the left, the Biden administration. I don't know how many people's doors have been broken down like Simone Gold's, but it's not like three. It's in the dozens at least. I mean, FBI showing up at your house, middle of the night, breaking down your door, coming in, seizing all your electronics, because you protested at the Capitol over what everyone knows was a stolen election. But anyway, back to Trump. So after Trump, the raid at Trump's um, Mar-a-Lago, he initiated legal action, basically saying, I want a special master to look at all this stuff they took and, and decide who it really should have belonged to. And so the, uh, fortunately for Trump, he was in front of a judge who agreed and appointed a special master. And so all this special master have to do, has to do, by the way, all they have to do is look at the scope of the search warrant 
and look at the documents that were seized and decide, are these within the scope of the search warrant or not? That's the question. That's the question. And the, the uh, DOJ is so outraged by the idea that anyone would dare challenge them. This judge dared say, yeah, let's have a special master. The DOJ is actually appealing that ruling. Like, why do we have to have, to have a special master? The DOJ wants no. The FBI, DOJ, they are one. Uh, I mean, FBI is a, a part of the DOJ. But they want, they think of themselves as above the law, separate from government, separate from the rule of law, separate from any of these niggling considerations like rule of law, they have the attitude, we are the law. And, and we're not going to have to justify anything to some special master. Even in this outrageous situation where you have Trump, um, the former president, uh, with documents in his own home, and they're saying, no, we decide, we are the law, nobody has any input. So the DOJ is appealing that ruling. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. It's actually very possible to be reversed. But um, I do want to... Um, close out before we get run out of time today with our radio listeners. Um, I'm going to come back tomorrow and talk about a conference happening in Florida right now. This is the National Conservative Conference, and um, I'm going to share a bunch of great things about that, but the gist of the idea of this play at the National Conservative Conference is that we have to unify in America. Conservatives must unify around a set of ideas and begin to implement them, because right now, because of how the left is so hysterically attacking America, we on the right have to be on board with our agenda, and I'm going to tell you more about it tomorrow. But before we go off and lose our radio listeners, I want to mention to you again my very last quick segment, October 15th in Dallas. Please go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. Our lineup of speak uh, speakers for our third annual Women for Freedom Summit is simply extraordinary extraordinary, very powerful day. Would love to have you come to Dallas on October 15th. Come for the weekend. We have a VIP reception Friday night and Saturday night. We have great speakers all day. Go to americacanwetalk.org. Buy your ticket. Come to Dallas October 15th. You will be glad you did. For radio listeners, come back tomorrow at 3 p.m. Okay, for everybody else, I will tell you more about the this National Conservative Conference because I want to I want to tout some really great thinkers there and the kind of things they're pushing, but um, I do at the close of the show every day tell you why the stories that we talked about today matter to you. And so we started our day talking about the beginning of this uh, show. It seems like so long ago. Uh, we talked about 9-11 in New York yesterday. Football fans in New York proudly and robustly sang the national anthem of 9-11, a throwback to the unity America felt after the 2001 attack. Hillary Clinton continues the left's diversion and misdirection tactics, claiming extremism was a problem on 9-11 without defining the dangerous beliefs that are extreme. The CVE, countering violent extremism, word choice was about diverting America's attention away from facts. The result was, so today, the American left is funding the murderous jihadist Taliban in Afghanistan because we never could work our way into pointing out that is Islamic Jihad that is the problem. So there we are funding the Taliban. What could go wrong? Um, and then we had, I'm trying to make this open up my phone. Okay. Once extremism becomes the enemy, and this is how the left loves it, playing with words, once extremism becomes the enemy, and only the left and the media echo chamber gets to define extreme, that word becomes a political weapon to silence speech and legitimate political opposition. Election fraud investigators and free speech advocates are not extreme. Patriotism and love of America and freedom are not extreme. The left's agenda for America is extremely dangerous. It is extreme. And the Biden regime releases Dr. Simone Gold from political prison Dr. Simone Gold's early release from prison is a cause for celebration, but she never should have been prosecuted. Her arrest, the FBI tactics used to search her home, the trial judge's extreme bias against her and Trump supporters, and her sentence to real jail time for trespass were abominations and a terrible reflection of the lawlessness of the Biden administration. Every American should care about this abuse by the FBI and the DOJ of our criminal justice system. We are watching the di disintegration of the rule of law, and that will someday hurt every American. And why the Biden DOJ assault on Trump rages on? The Biden team is desperate to keep Trump, President Trump, out of Washington and to make it impossible for him to run for president again. Why is that? 
Every indicator is telling the Marxists who run the Democrat Party and the left-wing media echo chamber that supports them that America cannot wait to vote them out of power. They wrongly believe that destroying Trump means silencing and shutting down the MAGA agenda and sentiment, and that is where they are wrong. MAGA, the restoration of love of America and reverence for the ideas that made America great, they are reawakened in the American people. MAGA will outlive Trump. And finally, I hope you can see this. There you go. On our last slide for today, this is our October 15th summit, our third annual Women for Freedom Summit. That is our flyer. And if you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, you can buy tickets, you can buy sponsorships. I sure could use some more sponsorships, folks. Love that if you can do that. Uh, sponsors um, get all sorts of special benefits, including the VIP receptions uh, with Dr. Simone Gold on, on a Friday night and with Laura Logan on Saturday night. We're going to have a great, great, big, packed, exciting day that day. And I would love to have you come. Again, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Buy your tickets. Plan your weekend. We'll make it a great weekend for you. It's a great day of, of serious discussion and genuine celebration of America's great and extraordinary goodness. Hope I see you there. At the, so I want to thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you